Hey everyone, welcome to In Doubt. This week on the show, Jeremy King joins us again to talk about spiritual disciplines and the fruit of the Spirit. Either it's all real or none of it is. And if it is, then I want to give it another chance. But I think it really speaks to this inner desire for more and to connect with God in a meaningful way. I think that's something we're trying to present to people. It's like, hey, if it really is real, then I'm willing to get honest. I'm willing to open up where I'm like falling so, so short. And then let's try this thing. Welcome to In Doubt. I'm your host, Ryan McCurdy. And today I'm really excited for us to have with us Jeremy King. Jeremy King is a young adults pastor from Langley, British Columbia, and he is a dear, close friend of mine. And he has walked with me in my life and my relationship with Jesus as a friend, but also as somebody that I look up to and respect as a mentor. Jeremy is a passionate follower of Jesus, worship leader, and teacher. And so would love for you to listen in as we ask the question and engage with the reality of spiritual disciplines. Jeremy and his young adult ministry are walking through the spiritual disciplines. And what do the spiritual disciplines have to offer you? Have you tried prayer? Have you tried reading your Bible? What do these things do for us? How do they form us? These are some of the topics we are going to dive into today. Take a listen. So here we have Jeremy King. Jeremy, hello. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Very well. It's good to be here. Beautiful day in Abbotsford. Oh, yeah. It's so. great to have you. Great to have you. Like I said earlier, Jeremy is a close friend of mine. And, you know, he wouldn't like it if I said this, but has been like a spiritual guide and mentor to me in my life. And, um, you know, I think uh, it's a joy to have you here, Jer. Right. Best marriage advice I ever got was from Ryan no. McCurdy. Really? Everyone probably wants to hear it, right? Yeah, everyone wants to hear it. Let's so hear it. Ryan and I try to do lunch together like every six months. And I was engaged and kind of ramping up to marriage. And I was like, Ryan, what, tell me one thing. Tell me one thing I need to know. And Ryan said this. He said, I used to think leading was all about like, okay, you know, I'm going to you know, get my wife to come and do this or like, let's do this Bible study. And then he realized, he's like, no, I realize it's all about setting an example actually like if I want to have a home where we read our Bible I just need to open my Bible myself if I want to have a home like if if I want to lead in like things of caring for others then I just need to do it rather than talk about it and have a study about it and totally. I thought man that's a game changer yeah and I it know. is it is a game changer it's so, easier said than done though right very difficult to do but always convicting because you're like yeah yeah I, I have this ideal that I desire and yet if I actually want to see the ideal take place I actually have to do it just just the challenge of life, you know? Yeah, well, you know, okay, this actually brings me to something that I'd love to talk to you about. I love it. And what I want to get from you and want to engage in with you is this question of how we're formed, mm. right? Like when we think about that, and I was only married like two years at the time that we had that conversation. And so I'm not an expert on marriage or I should not necessarily be the one giving marriage Which advice. Which is some of the humor here, but, but it's yeah. good. But the piece that I think is interesting is that in that is the fact that we are formed by the environment that's around us. And so, Jeremy, you're a young adults pastor. Yeah. And in your young adults ministry, you've currently been going through a sermon series where you're teaching on rhythms and spiritual disciplines and how they form us. What is that like? Yeah, it's been a really unique time. I feel like it's appropriate to start by saying, like, it's interesting for me. So I grew up in the church— 16 years old, had a pretty significant encounter with God, and that was, or that was significant for me. 
And I quickly became a little bit like critical of the church in a different way than some might be, but just more like in like, you know, what's everyone's problem? Why aren't we like more passionate for God? Right. He's the God of the universe, you know, <laughs> and being like, we got it. Like he's worthy of our lives. And then I would read scripture, like I think it's John 5, 39, where, you know, Jesus is rebuking these religious leaders who were like reading their Bibles. You know, he says, you diligently seek the scriptures in them. You think you have life, but they're those that testify about me, but you refuse to come to me, have yeah. life. And I'd read other passages that were like, God, you know, correcting people for fasting in the wrong way. So I would see these types of like disciplines or habits. And I think subconsciously, I began to see them negatively. I'd be like, you know, real walk with God or real change is just the spirit comes and changes us. Right. And then we just live it. Right. You know, it's my a friend, moment. And so my friends used to make fun of me because I'd always just used to say like, it's about getting it and living it. <laughs> like, yeah. but what is that? But then I think the reality is that what does that even mean? Because obviously it needs to come from a genuine place. But then the journey for me with disciplines is slowly realizing that disciplines are a gift, not necessarily just like a religious thing yeah. that's unhelpful. So I think, you know how we always swing? Right. We always swing. So it's like that was like a swinging moment that I didn't even realize was a swinging moment. Meaning I reacted to these certain scriptures about disciplines being yeah. like, oh, they're just, I see them as a negative. When in reality, they're meant to be a good thing. They're meant to actually be this gift that help form us and build on what we experience as genuine or what we believe is true. And then they're meant to be this gift that kind of help us grow in those things. And so then you swing back. And I think we, we see all the time in the church, you know, this swinging of back and forth between things rather than finding a balance. And I think the disciplines are all about a balance. It's actually right. just embracing them. So that's a little bit of a sidetrack. But yeah, well, I think they need to be consistent. Right. And I think that's one of the things about asking the question, what is the purpose of the spiritual disciplines? And if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, what are spiritual disciplines? It's literally things instructed to us in the Bible that say, hey, be people of prayer, be people of the word. And there's many more that are in church history. And so why do we do these things and why do we step into that? Because sometimes so often we think, man, my spiritual life and my walk with Jesus is just this impactful moment where it all changes. Kind of like what you're saying, right, Jerry? Where it's like, yeah. it all happened and I can boil it down to this one moment and my life was changed. And those moments are true. But there's a question of, well, what about after we believe? Mm -hmm. And so maybe, you know, you've asked the question or I've asked the question where it's like, okay, now I've had this moment where I've begun a relationship with God and I've chosen to submit my life to his ways. Now what? Now what, like, am I now just going to have good character? Because yeah. it's just, there it is. It just showed up that one day when I had that encounter with God. Or is it going to be maybe a path of walking it out and doing disciplines? And I think sometimes we think of disciplines as these things that are enforced on us, kind of like legalism, right. where like, oh, I have to do this. I have to just do these things. Totally. And we're talking from like the Bible Belt of Canada, aren't we, right now? Right. And it's literally ingrained in our in a lot of young people's minds, especially those who grew up in the church, this idea of in order to please God or to be a good Christian, quote unquote, I need to, you know, check off a certain amount of boxes. Oh yeah. And so it's that often it that's the mindset we have around the disciplines, rather than seeing them as something that actually help us navigate day-to-day -day life of yeah. being so, in relationship with God. So let's name some of those. So yeah. Bible reading, that's a that's a staple. Prayer. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Important. Jesus prayed alone many times. And let me just pause and say, I think one of the things I've been realizing in studying the disciplines is that 
there's so much talk about spiritual rhythm in general or just yeah. like good rhythm and, and emotional health is an incredible conversation oh, yeah. to have. Yeah. However, it's helpful to start with just talking about disciplines in terms of what did Jesus do? You know, what did he model? And so I think fundamentally, as we see Jesus is the example of our faith, as we see on earth, Jesus of Nazareth practiced the disciplines that we primarily want to follow. So we talk about prayer or ones like solitude and silence right. or um, fasting. These are things that Jesus did on the earth. And the thing for him was it was all about living in relationship with the Father, modeling what it was to depend on the Spirit. And we see that these things were practices in his life amidst ministry, amidst busyness, amidst the temptation of just going the way of the world and right. buying into the cultural values. And we see that he continued to do these things. Think about that, like who we believe or many of us believe to be the son of God lives exemplary in these areas of like, I'm going to go away and pray all night. Like, I mean, when's the last time we did that? You know what I mean? And yet he models this dependency and this daily rhythm. I'm going to add this one thought on that and then I'll, then you go for it. John Mark Homer, pastor of Bridgetown uh, down in Portland, uh, he, he came up and did a, a leaders gathering here in the Lower Mainland a bunch of months ago and said something that I thought was prophetic and really profound. It kind of speaks to all of us who would be kind of maybe used to a church culture or even like conferences and events that we might go to or used to have gone to or whatever. But he just said, I think in lots of ways, the modern worship movements replace the disciplines for a generation. And it's ended up being I don't think he said it was was damaging. He just noted that in so many ways, people kind of flock to these moments with God at a worship service yeah. or at a conference and they go, oh, I feel filled up or God totally. is real yeah. or man, there is something more. But most of my life I live doubting and questioning and challenged or yeah. just conflicted or whatever. And he says, it's not that we're, the worship movement's bad, but we were never meant to just live from one mountaintop to another totally. mountaintop. Totally. We were meant to live in a daily, in the disciplines, in daily rhythm, where all the time we're having that kind of encounter with God. And so he was, he was just noting something profound in the sense that we have these moments with God that feel like, oh, this is what it's all about. But when they're few and far between, we can never come close to the lives that Absolutely. we're meant to live. And I just think it's so helpful for me. I'm just realizing that the disciplines for me as I begin to add them to my life, it's not that I'm this crazy, amazing Christian all the time. It's just that God's on my mind more. Okay. And it's just like this sense of, oh, yeah, this is what it's like to be mindful about who he is and what he's doing in the world and what his kingdom is in relation to everything else yeah. amidst the day to day. And it's yeah. like we would all say that's what it's really about. I mean. If this whole thing's real, it's got to be real in the day-to-day. -day. And I think the disciplines invite us to a day-to-day -day faith. And maybe you've been part of that moment where it's like, yeah, this is a mountaintop. And then you come down from the mountain and you think to the, yourself, what's wrong with me? Why am I not feeling like, it out. the glory of God in my everyday life? Or maybe right. maybe you, like, you've never experienced that, whatever that feeling of connecting with God in that way where you're like, oh, that was a tangible experience of God and therefore I know it to be true. And I think there's there's a few books that I've read that have been really helpful. One by a guy named Gerald May and he talks about the dark night of the soul. And there's this one, actually two pages, so fascinating because I think what we're talking about here is the question behind all of this is what does it mean to live the Christian way sustainably long-term? Right. Right? Because Many people walk away from the faith because maybe they've felt God, feelings of God at a right, worship right. experience yeah. or at something. And then later on, they're like, I don't feel that sense anymore. So I actually don't know if God's there. 
And so then if the disciplines are there to supplement that, where it's like, hey, just just because you don't feel God doesn't mean he's there. Anyways, this book, um, in this book, he talks about how this actually exposes one of the biggest idols in Christendom, which is that we flock to and run to potentially these moments of experience with God where we feel some sort of tangible sense that he's there. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but what this author is saying is what can happen is we trust our feelings. If I can feel God, then he's there. If I experience that mountaintop, then, okay, all is well with the world. And there are lots of skeptics out there who are like, well, I've never felt that. Teach me something from the Bible that I can understand. Right, right. But this yeah. feeling is so evasive. And this author, he is essentially saying that if you're not careful, the feeling of God can become the greatest idol in all of your life, in your Christian walk, because you place so much emphasis on oh, I felt God's presence, or I know that his love is there. And if you feel lonely or if you feel like God's distant and he's not there, then we start taking it upon ourselves like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why am I not feeling? Well, my friend is, so what's wrong with me? And recognizing that there's different places and different platforms that we are all, we're at different stages in our life. Even for what you're saying here, the disciplines are the healthy barometer that keep us steady. And it's, it's the thing that keeps our faith vibrant, even if it's not the most enjoyable. Thanks for listening so far. In Doubt is geared towards young adults and wants to take the time to hear from you. If you would like to share how In Doubt has impacted your life, you can email us at info at We'd love to hear how In Doubt has affected you, big or small, or you can also share your testimony with us. Your story could be shared on the next In Doubt episode or on social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for more exclusive content or to get in touch with us. And now we'll get back to the rest of the episode with Ryan and Jeremy. There's a friend, mutual friend of ours, and his name's Jason Ballard, and he works for Alpha Canada. And he, I remember him preaching this one time, and what he said to me was, well, what he said to us in the, in the congregation was really impactful for me. He said, some of us hate going into a quiet room and praying by ourselves. And then he said, but sometimes you need to start praying until you start praying. You just need to pray until it becomes prayer. And just committing yourself to these disciplines of saying, I'm going to follow through with trying something that I I believe to be valid in Scripture. I see Jesus doing it, and therefore I'm going to model it in my own life. And so, you know, you're on this journey with your congregation, your young adults group, and what has that been like? How have you seen the disciplines show up. Do you think that it is meeting a lot of the people in your context with what they need? Right. We're in the middle of it right now. But across the board, I think you see a lot of different responses. Um, I think the general response, though, is that people recognize their need for more depth. Hmm. And, And I would say I'm just seeing that there is a desire for depth and there's a desire to be like, yeah, what does this look like in my day-to-day? Uh, we have people that aren't Christians doing a disciplines booklet we put together. And and I think it, I mean, even just that, and, and like quite a few, and then some that would just be like in varying places in their faith. But I think it speaks to what so many things do, just that community is compelling. But but I think it really speaks to this inner desire for more and to, to connect with God in a meaningful way. I think people uh, in many ways 
in the day we're in are rejecting hype um, for a lot of different reasons. But but that's, what would be what would be some of the reasons? Because um, like the disciplines are not beautiful. They're difficult. They're hard work. They're not like oh that was amazing. That was euphoric. That was fantastic. They're like for a lot of people they're hard work. Yeah. No matter who you are, some of them are going to be challenging for you. And I think that's part of uh, part of the points of them. Yeah. Why do we see people rejecting hype? I just think people have seen that big moments don't necessarily change lives. They don't necessarily equate integrity. But I think there's still like this sense in which you read the Gospels or, or for many people, you read the Gospels and you look at Jesus and there's his life is compelling. And even you read about the early church and there's so much that, that is invitational, but maybe just doesn't line up with what we see as normative um, in our day, in our surroundings. I think that's part of it. I don't think that speaks to where everybody's at. And, and I think this is what we sense. And we say this pretty often to our young adults. Hey, either it's all real or none of it is. And I think that that's persuasive in a sense, but I think it's a beautiful moment to just hold intention. And I think that you sense that belief in people's hearts. Either this is all for real, and if it is, then I want to give it another chance. And I think that's something we're trying to present to people. It's like, hey, if this thing's really real, then it should change all of my life. I don't want to fake it. And I, in fact, for a lot of people, like I'm tired of doing that. But if it really is real, then I'm willing to get honest. I'm willing to open up where I'm like falling so, so short. And then let's try this thing. The other day, Jason Ballard, who you mentioned earlier, threw it out to like a few hundred young adults and just saying, you know, Jer and I were driving the other day and we're like, hey, Jer, what if we actually really tried this Christianity thing? Like for real, <laughs> like what if we just this week tried to like try to live it, like actually do it? And it sounds so funny to say that because you could even jump and think like, oh, is that just striving? But I think, I think actually people connect with that because there's a sense that as we look at the call of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the invitation of the cross, we go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. where is that really modeled? I think for young adults, we're kind of like, what if? Have I even really tried it? Have I even really responded to the invitation? Because as much as there's these surface things or these even like religious statements that we make fun of or like, you know, bumper stickers, we can laugh at a bunch of different things or whatever. But I think when we really look at it, we go, what if it's for real? We know response to the invitation looks different than a lot of things that we've tried in our lives. And so I think the disciplines in part are an invitation to respond to the ultimate invitation, which is Jesus saying, walk with me. Right. Abide in Ab- me. Literally abide in me. Separate yourself from the world. And I was actually going to mention the abide thing. Um, Daryl Johnson, who's an incredible professor and teacher in uh, Regent College and or has been a regent and pastor at First Baptist for a lot of years. And we, we talked to him before starting the series that we've been in. He just said, hey, remember, it's all about abide. He said, the anchor text is John 15, you know, where Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. Abide in me. And, and I think that's the point of the disciplines is to, the point of the disciplines is to create rhythms in our lives where we are staying in relationship with Christ. And obviously, I'm sorry, that could be misinterpreted, but, but really to say, I want to discover what it's like to live moment by moment connected to God or growing in connection with him in the midst of my world, in the midst of my work, in the midst of family, in the midst of really difficult situations, in the midst of times where I don't feel him at all. I'm going to grow. And these rhythms, though, allow me to not always feel it, but to abide. And I think one of the lies I believed is that abiding always equals feeling. But I don't think that's true. And in fact, I think the promise of Jesus saying, abide in me and there'll be much fruit, isn't saying, abide in me and you'll always feel it and everything will always be explosive and amazing. That's not the fruit he's talking about. That's not the fruit. And so even like, it's really worth doing a, a deep dive and studying, but what is the fruit he's talking about? What is the life that begins to come out of choosing to abide in season and out of season. That's such a 
<laughs> churchy thing just to say. Just uh, like thing Sometimes you yeah. just come out and you got to, ca- you know, catch it. But, but like, what does it look like when things are horrible? Um, I have a, a friend who just lost her husband in a horrible car accident and left three kids. What does it look like to abide then? What does it look like to abide when all these people are coming to Christ? What does it look like to abide when your friend has cancer and you're praying and a bunch of students are praying together and we're not, you know, you don't see change right away? What does it look to abide in all of it when you're not feeling it, when you are, when you're seeing breakthrough, when you're not? But these are still an invitation for the disciplines to know Christ, to have faith built up. I was reflecting when you were talking a minute ago about faith. Isn't it interesting that faith in and of itself, you're talking about feeling it. And so much of our conversations about Christianity are sometimes about feeling it, or we believe, heard that. But even faith in and of itself, you know, Hebrews would describe it as being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you don't see. And I'm not saying it's talking about feeling, but does, it just makes me think about that. The thing that we're cultivating and strengthening is something that we don't see. And it's something that we don't always experience how we want to experience it. And yet the possibility of growing more and more connected to the Father like Jesus was is the invitation of the discipline. So anyway, that's a, a whole lot of stuff. No, I think yeah. that's great. I think there's there's so much to that. There's two things that come to mind for me. The first one coming into this context of like, what does the fruit look like? Like right, what's right, the right, point right. of all these disciplines, yeah. right? Yeah. Someone would be so listening good. and be like, what? Why do all this? And the fruit that comes out of it, I'd like to hear your take on it. But I'd also like to say Romans 8.28 is a very popular passage. Because in that passage, Paul talks about the good that God has for the believer. And so many times people interpret that passage of of Scripture to be like, oh, God has good in store for me? Well, that good is going to be comfort and joy and a brand new car and the security of a home that's paid off. But the idea that like the expectation is that comfort would be the ultimate good that God is going to provide. Whereas Romans 8.29 actually lays out, Paul says, the good that will come, that God is going to work together, is that you look more like Jesus. Right. Not that you get the things that you wanted, but you're going to be formed internally by abiding with him, by staying connected with him. He will work all things for your good, true. And what is the good that we're hoping for? That we look more like Jesus in terms of character, in terms of how we live our lives and and show what it means to be a follower of Jesus because that ultimately is what people, I believe, are longing for. And for those who grew up in the church, I mean, so often these pivotal scriptures that just end up being put in a bad font on some like plaque in, oh, in yeah. our living room, whatever, Sans but serif, that man. we kind of like, you know, put off to the side, but like literally Galatians, the fruit of the spirit. And I think it's totally contextual to say the fruit of abiding is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I mean, think about faithfulness, the fruit of abiding. What a thought. Like we just stop there and be like, yeah, the ability to just keep going through it all. And I just think, yeah, like the, just to stay connected and say, no, I'm going to trust you. I just think about moments in Jesus' life where he had to trust the father when he didn't feel like it. But faithfulness was the result yes. of connectedness. Yeah. But I mean, just even that I mean, is right in there. I mean, there's one like dead giveaway. But but just that, yeah, the fruit of connectedness is character and is Christ-likeness through our lives in the mundane, though, not just the big moments. And so you look at something like John 15, where Jesus is talking about you'll bear much fruit. And, you know, he talks about pruning even and that idea of he's going to grow us through all things. So So fruit definitely isn't just all glitz and glamour. I mean, but I think it's real life change. Or another beautiful aspect to it is that the fruit is other people getting to experience the goodness of God. John 15 introduces the imagery of abiding in the vine. But the vine is imagery that was understood from the Old Testament that Israel was actually called the vine. 
And God's vision for Israel is that Israel would be this life-producing entity to the world that other people could experience the life of God and be brought into the life of God through them. But they ultimately fail their mission. And so when Jesus shows up and says, I am the true vine, that would have connected with the listeners more than it connects with most of us. He's saying, I am the extension from the father of life in the world. And then I invite you to be part of it. So he's fulfilling. And then we get to fulfill something that Israel didn't fulfill by extending the life of Jesus. And so that's a beautiful thought. And I think even that thought, think about this. A God calls his people in the tribalistic worldview of ancient Near Eastern history to be a community, a nation that blesses other people. When you think about like tribalism and nationalism of like protect our own, what is the, Hmm. the fruit of the disciplines. What is the fruit of abiding right. in God? Is that we might be a light to the nations, that we might share the good news. So good. And yeah, that, that's the point. That's that, it. Yeah. And so for a lot of people, what's the point of, of doing disciplines? And maybe you've tried the, doing the disciplines. I know I have where it's like, this is not fun. And I want it to be fun and easy. But what's happening underneath the surface is that God is producing life in me that I wouldn't be able to produce on my own. And that only comes through prayer, only comes through solitude, only comes through being in community and taking the sacraments. So communion or baptism or things that really shape us. And so doing the disciplines is not just something for the super religious on the side. It's actually an invitation for all of us. Yeah. And I think when we hear Jesus command, you know, when he says, abide in me, apart from me, you can do nothing. I think we believe that way less than he does. If we really believe that, then we'll change our calendars. If we really believe that apart from him, we can't really bear any good fruit in terms of others coming to know life and us actually, you know, being made alive apart from him, then it's like, well, then if we really believe that, we'll totally change our calendars. We won't say we're too busy to pray. We won't say we're too busy to spend time or to get away or Jesus goes in models that it's worth being up all night in prayer. And and this is the conviction, you know, as I study this a little bit more this fall was the best thing I can do for myself, but also the best thing I can do for those I love and the world around me is to abide. It's actually the very best thing I can learn to do and practice not just for myself. Because I think sometimes when we think about the disciplines, we're like, oh, it's all that personal faith. But actually, it's that alive faith in the Lord through the disciplines that ends up being the very good that we long for, for our city, for our community, for like literally the society that we're a part of and for the people that we love the most. And this takes it back a little bit to that marriage advice. Boom, there we go. It kind of does. Like it takes it to that marriage advice where it's like, you know, you want to see people around you that you love and care about grow in certain areas of your life. It's like, well, if you invest your time, your energy, your talent, so all these things, it's going to shape how you lead other people. I mean, I think it all comes back together. I think it's so important for us as followers of God. And, you know, maybe you're listening to this and you're not a follower of God. and You're like, man, I want to learn more. One of the best ways is get connected to a local church community and get into God's word. This is one of the joys of walking with God and following Jesus and his way is that we are committed to growing and being challenged and the disciplines shape us on the inside. And so, Jeremy, thanks so much for giving some of your perspective and your experience. Always a joy to have you. If you want to follow Jeremy King and keep up to date with him and what he's doing, you can go follow him on Instagram, Jeremy A.W. King on Instagram. He's a great a guy to follow. A lot of powerful stuff. Oh, on yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Jared, thanks so much for being here. That's yeah, so good. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for joining us for this conversation with Jeremy King. You can find all our conversations on indoubt.ca and make sure you follow us on Instagram, indoubtca. My name's Ryan. Thanks for listening today and we hope you join us next week for another compelling conversation. In Doubt Ministries exists to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life, faith, and culture that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.